Well, good morning. It's good to be here at Monty, and we certainly trust as we share together today, it's going to be a blessing. Hands up those who broke the speed limit coming here today. <laughs> that means you went against what these verses we're going to look at today actually say. So we're going to look at Romans, and particularly in Romans chapter 13. So this is a letter that was written to a first century church, but also it's written to us. And even though that Paul is the penman, it's still God's word. Often Christians will say, well, that's what Paul wrote, and therefore dismiss it. But Paul is only God's penman, and what he wrote is God's word to us. We can't discount it because of the human agent that God used. So he says at the beginning of this book that he's not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation. Often we are reticent to share the gospel. We get embarrassed, we're self-conscious. But that wasn't true of Paul. He was bold in what he had to say about the gospel because it's God's power to save sinners for everyone who believes. And in believing it will change our status before God, change our destiny and deliver us from God's wrath. But more importantly, it talks about a righteousness that God gives to us through faith in Christ. So that we're born again, we're born above, from above, and now we're to behave like folk who are God's children. So let's read from Romans 13. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For the rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you'll be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore it's necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. So that's why you pay your taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay your taxes. Don't wriggle out of it. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. These verses have caused a lot of consternation to Christians for the last 2,000 years. Because they think that means that maybe we can't apply these verses in every context. That we're to be subject to the governing authorities. I don't know who you voted for in the last state election or the last federal election. 
But three times the Bible says that these men are God's servants. And in our readings we're told to pray for them. Now do you obey that verse? How often do you pray for these men? They need our prayers. They need God in their lives. And so we should pray for them. And notice what it says, that these governments have the right to punish. They're God's agent to punish wrongdoers. Without governments, without rulers, without laws, we would have chaos. And in our city, almost every day, almost every night, we have folk who violate our laws. And we want them punished. Just yesterday, Ida Malat died in hospital. One of Australia's worst serial killers. He was sentenced to seven lifetime sentences for those he was said to have murdered. And that's right. The government is there to punish wrongdoers. So because of that, it says, do what is right. Now I thank God for GPSs and also cruise control. Cruise control helps me to do what is right. And as I was coming here today, I was thinking, how can I get here by half past nine? And uh, so I use my cruise control. But I can still override that by using the accelerator. But I'm to do what is right including speeding or keeping to the speed limit. But more than that, we're not to rebel against the laws of the land. An Irishman once says, I don't care who the government is, but I'm against it. And some of us feel like that. But also says we're to submit to our rulers. And that can be a tough ask. When we lived in Rome, we had a letter asking us to have folk come and visit us from one of the countries that were ruled by communist China, I mean communist Russia. This man and his daughter came. All the time when he was living with us, he was constantly looking around to see who was eavesdropping on the conversation. Because of the regime he lived under, it was difficult for a Christian man a Christian wife to submit to the rulers. And they were conscious that because of the evilness of that regime, there were times when they weren't going to do what was asked, which included teaching their children about God. But notice also it says we're to do this keeping a clear conscience. But to be conscious of God. Now this is important because often we are tempted to negate our conscience. A few years ago I was told by a person that I was to go to Centrelink and ask to receive the pension. So I went down there in the January after having been given that instruction and the man said to me, why are you here? And I said, well, I've been told I need to apply for the pension. Oh, he says, does that mean you're not working? I said, no, it doesn't. 
Well, he said, why on earth are you here? I said, because I was told to come. So he said, well, tell me what you do. So I explained about being full-time in Christian ministry. Well, he says, you don't qualify. If you're working full-time in ministry, you don't qualify. So when I informed some of the folk who instructed me to go to Centrelink, they said, well, can't you wrangle it in some way? Why don't you tell them you've just retired? And I am amazed that Christians would put that pressure on a person to actually not tell the truth to the governing authority. It says here we're to submit to our rulers. We're to obey the law. The Bible says quite clearly we're not to lie. But more than that, keeping a clear conscience before God. Being conscious of God. Because God was there that day, as well as a rep from Centrelink. We've had that reading today, so we'll skip it. But then it says, pay your taxes. We had a comic in my home country, and he filled out his tax return in Roman numerals. He said it was great fun. He never heard back from the tax department, nor did he get a refund. <laughs> but we had to pay our taxes. Because governments provide a whole range of things that we as an individual couldn't provide out at all. Who brings the sewage to your house? Or the water? Or the electricity? Or the gas? Or the roads? Or transport? Those things take money. That's why we need to pay our taxes. So that we as a community can enjoy the things that we can enjoy. Then it says respect and honour those in authority. Now can you respect Daniel Andrews? or ScoMo and honour them how can we honour them by praying for them they need our prayers we're told to pray for them we can respect them doesn't mean to say we have to agree with all their decisions but we can respect them then it says give to anyone what you owe hands up those with a mortgage well, you're well off in this church. <laughs> we have to pay what we owe. Now, some folk think that because of that, they should never have a mortgage. I don't think the verse is saying that. But it does mean that when each payment is due, you're to pay it. That's if you're a Christian. And so these verses have a challenge for all of us. Then the next verses, reading from verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, 
you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Whatever other commands may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbour, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Does that characterise folk at Monty? Would the community say that you are a loving community? You actually love each other, you care about each other, you're concerned about each other, you pray for each other, you're good friends to each other. Jesus said the way the world will know you're a Christian is by the way you interact with a brother and sister in Christ. What sort of an advert are you as a Christian? Well, I like Lucy and Charlie. Will you still love me when you're grown up and are rich and famous? And I'm just a poor little girl. Charlie, sure I will. And will you still love me if you get rich and famous and I don't have anything? Well, that's a different matter. (laughs) And often we're like this in the way that we pick and choose to relate to other Christians. But Romans tells us earlier that that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the agency of the Holy Spirit who he has given us. You have a God-given capacity to love and mimic the way that Jesus loves. God's love has been put into the believer's heart by the Holy Spirit. And that means we have the ability to obey these verses, to love with a God-like love, to love our spouse, our children, our parents, our brothers and sisters in Christ, our bosses, our employees. This is to be our hallmark as Christians. You know, in Corinthians it says what love doesn't do. It's not envious. It doesn't get angry. It's not prideful. It doesn't brag about what it does. It's not self-serving. It's not rude. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It doesn't gloat over crimes. It's patient. Love is kind. Love's positive. Love hopes. It doesn't give up on people. Love trusts. It perseveres. It takes pleasure in what is true. In fact, love never fails. It doesn't die out. It's not terminated. After Mary folk and one of the questions I asked them before their wedding service, why do you think your marriage will last? And they say, well, because we love each other. Well, I say 45% of Australians who marry say the same thing and have ended up in divorce. Why do you think your marriage will last? And often they'll just grin and feel silly. The last couple I married, the girl said, because God brought us together. God's going to be the scene of our marriage. 
With God's help, it will last. With God's grace, it will. Come what may. So Romans 13 verse 11. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when you first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. See, let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let's behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Who can tell me what the time is? According to these verses. Not according to the clock at the back that says it's ten past eleven. Do you really understand what the time is? Because these verses say that the hour has already come for your time to wake up out of your slumber. So many Christians are fast asleep. They're dozing. They're not alert, they're not awake. They're like an old man in the afternoon in an easy chair, having a good old snooze. There's no urgency about what they're doing. No sense of a short time frame that Christ is going to come. And therefore, they don't take these verses seriously. So these verses say, behave like a Christian, as in the daylight. How often are we tempted to do something because no one can see? Majority of our crimes in this city are after dark. And why? Because they think they can get away with it. People love darkness rather than light. It's interesting the list here that they, that's given us. No carousing, no drunkenness, no illicit sex, no debauchery, no arguing, no jealousy. They are characteristics of non-Christians. They are not to be true of our entity as a Christian. Behave like a Christian, as in the daylight. Then it says, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Behave like Jesus. There were two brothers, stories in the Old Testament. They were twins. And the mother loved the twin that was born number two. The dad loved the twin that was born number one. Jacob's an Esau. And Jacob was a trickster, a deceiver, a con artist. And he tricked his brother out of his birthright, which was pretty serious. And the mother realised, because she helped him do that, she developed the plot and the scheme. She had to send him off down the road to his uncle because she knew if those two boys 
came together, they would kill each other. So the years go by. And Jacob marries. He marries again. He ends up with four wives. Lots of servants, lots of goats and sheep and camels and cattle. He's a rich man. But he's going to go back home. But he's scared. Why is he scared? He's afraid of what Esau might do. The night before they actually meet, he has an encounter with God. It goes on all night. And in the end he says to the angel of the Lord, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. The angel touches his hip, becomes a lame man. The next day, he sends all these animals and so on in front of him, then the servants and then the wives, and he's at the end. He's dead scared because Esau is coming with armed people. And in the end, the two boys meet. And what does Scripture say? They embraced, they cried, they wept. And Jacob says to his brother, to see your face is like seeing God's face because you've received me favourably. The way that Esau behaved reflected God himself. What do people see in your face? Do you reflect to them the face of God? Or maybe the face of the devil? For those two boys, one saw in the other God. We are to behave like Jesus. We are to become like Jesus. Scripture says, my friends, God has made us these great promises so that we should stay away from everything that keeps our bodies and spirits from being clean. We should honour God and try to be completely like him. The ministry of God's spirit in our lives is to change us, to change our behaviour, to become increasingly like the Lord Jesus, to model our lives on him, to mimic him, to express his nature and character to be like Christ and we need to do that increasingly because the day of our redemption is very close do we really believe that I know when I was shearing sheep and it comes we worked a 12 hour day from 5 in the morning until 5 at night and come 3 half past 3 in the afternoon and you sure wish the Lord would come It's amazing how by the next day at five o'clock in the morning you don't feel the same way. Do we really want Jesus to come today? Do we really think he will? If we can get this right, somebody's going to sing for us about that. Yeah, it worked yesterday. Why won't it work today? Let's see if it'll work this way. 
No. Doesn't matter. I had a friend who was going to sing The King is Coming, but looks like he's not going to come and sing to us, so that's a bit bad. Doesn't matter. So Christ is coming. Jesus says in the close of the, of the New Testament, Behold, I come quickly. He is coming. We can thank God for that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Word given to us via the Apostle Paul. Often we struggle with what you say to us. We're reluctant to obey it, to submit to it, to do what you ask. We pray that you might give us the submissive spirits to your word, to yourself, that we might show in our community that we're truly sons of God. We're sons of the light. We belong to the King of Kings. This we ask in Christ's name. Amen.